0: Welcome back to the Me As Mom podcast. As a reminder, my name is Cambry and I'm the host of this podcast. This is episode two, um, but in the first episode, I introduced you guys to my family, what this podcast is going to be, and just me in general. So if you missed that, you may want to go back and start there. Before I get into the bulk of this episode, I do want to give a content warning for pregnancy and child loss. This episode may not be for you for several different reasons, but specifically if you're currently pregnant, if you've been through a Similar loss, or if you have a friend or family member who's been through something similar, especially recently, this may not be for you. And if that is you, feel free to exit out of this episode. Um, You can tuck it away and save it for a time when you're ready for it, or you can just totally disregard this episode. But I did want to give that content warning before I get into the bulk of this episode. Episode 1 was a little bit more exciting and upbeat. This episode is heavier, and although there are some really happy parts to it too, I did want to go ahead and give that content warning at the beginning. Um, But before we get into my introduction to motherhood, I want to go back a little bit um, to the very beginning. So as I mentioned in episode one, I've been completely obsessed with Drew since we started dating in September of 2008. And at the time we were in high school, but I was so sure that he was the guy that I was going to marry. I would push and push and push and push getting married. And Drew, as he is now, was way more level-headed than I was back then. And he would reassure me over and over again, that he couldn't financially support himself, let alone me, a fashion-obsessed teenager. And I think that it's important to note here that just because I dress for comfort now doesn't mean that I always did. There was once a time that I wore high heels every day, and I never repeated an outfit. I always had a full face of makeup on, And these were the days that Drew was telling me that there was absolutely no way that he could support me. I think as far as high school relationships go, we had a pretty good relationship in high school. Um, We did break up a handful of times, mainly just because I wanted to get married and Drew knew that we couldn't at that time. And time went on we stayed together we broke up we stayed together and in October of 2013 he finally proposed Um, we got married the following March so that was March 2014 and I moved to New Orleans where Drew was already living and we began living life together as our little family and it was just the best I can't explain how excited I was to finally be married to him (laughs) We both knew that we always wanted to have kids, but before we had kids, we loved every single second of our life, and from 2008 to 2014, all I wanted to do was be married to Drew, and in 2014, that time finally came. We were in New Orleans, and it was such a fun place to spend the first five years of our marriage. We There's so much to do there, I feel like, especially when you're starting a new chapter, that New Orleans is just such a fun place where there's something going on all of the time. We are a little bit more low key. <laughs> I feel like we were not very fun New Orleanians whenever we were living there, but um we love Pelicans games, we love basketball, so we went to see the Pelicans play a lot. Um we went to Broadway shows, watching stand-up comedians. We loved having friends over, but most of all, we loved just hanging out at home with Lucy and Ozark. And we had, and we still have, so much fun just sitting around doing absolutely nothing together. We were in New Orleans because Drew was getting his PhD, and we knew that in 2018, our time in New Orleans was coming to a close, Um, so five years into our relationship is when we first started talking about how we were ready to expand our family, and mostly, I wanted to share everything prior to us having kids to show how ready we were to move forward with adding to our family. It was so exciting to think about um, whenever you're thinking about having a baby. It is just such a fun and exciting time, but it's also really scary, too. For five years of our relationship, um, five years of our marriage, it was just us, and now we were talking about bringing somebody else into the equation, and it was scary. It was exciting, but it was really scary. People always say that there's no right or wrong time to have kids or that you'll never be fully prepared for whenever you do have kids. I think that those people are right, but I think that they're wrong too. You can definitely be more or less prepared for sure. Everybody's timeline is so different, and that's why I'm so excited about this podcast. I'm so excited to share our stories and our timelines, our experiences, and with mine and Drew's story, we dated for five years. We were married for five years before we even started thinking about having kids, and as far as our story goes, I'm really thankful that we did have that firm foundation backing us up. Because when we came parents, it was a tough introduction. We got pregnant really easily. Um, we tried for three months before we found out on Halloween 2018. It was morning and Drew was still asleep. Um, we were going to go see Ed Sheeran at the Superdome that night. We had floor seats and we were so excited. But um, Drew was still in bed and I got up and took a test and it was positive. And I was so excited to go wake him up and tell that guy that I fell in love with in high school that he was going to be my baby daddy. You just, you think about those things in high school, whoever you're dating. You think, oh, this is the person that I'm going to marry. And with Drew, I was thinking this these things in high school. And it was just so crazy in that moment to wake him up and go tell him that he's having a baby with me. <laughs> so we went in for our first appointment and got the pregnancy confirmation. And nothing really happens, nothing super exciting happens that first appointment, but then we came back around like nine or ten weeks for our first ultrasound, and at that appointment, I can remember being so scared that we were going to go into our appointment and something was going to be wrong. I remember, I can vividly remember sitting in our car and crying, just terrified to go in, and Drew The level-headed one assured me everything was going to be fine, and we went inside, and everything was fine. We got to see that little nugget dancing around right up on the big screen, and it was great. It was a great appointment. We decided really early on that we weren't going to find out the sex of the baby. Um, It seemed really exciting, and almost everyone we knew found out what they were having. So our entire pregnancy, we named our baby Baby D for Baby Davidson. The pregnancy was going great. Um I started noticing movement really early, like 16 or 17 weeks. Um and then I started noticing a decrease in movement around 20 weeks. So I called my doctor's office panicking and they assured me that this was normal at this point in my pregnancy. And I just want to mention here, I did mention this on my episode of Friendsense 5, but I truly cannot say enough good things about the OB office in New Orleans. I fully support them. I fully no- think that they know what they're talking about, and I trust them completely. 17, 16, 17 weeks is like absurdly early to be feeling movement, and even at 20 weeks, that's still early. So I don't think that they did anything wrong and I trust them completely. Um, I just wanted to say that I didn't want it to think that I was like throwing them under the bus because I trust them completely. I went in a week later. It was March 1st. So I was 21 weeks at that point and I re-mentioned the decrease in movement and that I was noticing even less movement at that appointment during that week. And they did an ultrasound and ended up moving us to a larger room to do a larger ultrasound. And it was confirmed at that point that baby D had passed away. At the time, I knew friends and family members who had gone through pregnancy loss. But even walking extremely close to some people who had gone through this unimaginable, I really didn't ever think that it would happen to us. I mean, I was scared that it could happen to us, but I didn't really think that it actually would. And unless you've been through the loss of a child, I can't really express the amount of pain that we felt immediately. It was just gutting. And grief is such a weird thing, and it's so different for every single person. Looking in from the outside, it can be hard to know how to navigate this really delicate situation. I think that a lot of people don't say anything because they don't know what to say, and I think that that feels a little bit safer for them. But I think that if you take the time to think about what you're trying to say and not just send something on a whim— that, it's extremely difficult to say something harmful or hurtful, which I think is what those people are trying to avoid. It's a really weird feeling walking through unimaginable grief. Life keeps going on and it feels like, how dare it? People go through the routines of their regular days and you're just stuck in this thick fog of grief. I've been walking this path for four years and I can tell you that the grief doesn't ever go away, at least not in four four years. The feelings are still there every single day and yeah, they become more manageable on some days, but some days it'll just hit you like a ton of bricks out of nowhere and it can be the most random thing that triggers it. There's no rule book on getting through grief, and Drew and I are still learning for sure, I don't want to get through it. I came across a quote on grief that I want to read really quickly. It says, We're never finished with grief. It's part of the fabric of living. It's always waiting to happen. Love makes memories in life precious. The grief that comes to us is proportionate to that love and is inescapable. Drew and I have reached a place where we can think of baby D without getting sad, but sometimes I like feeling sad thinking about him because it reminds me of that real moment, that real unimaginable loss. Life does go on, but I want to hang on to those real moments. My 21-week appointment was on March 1st, 2019, and I was induced on March 2nd. Baby D was born really early on March 3rd. When he was born, our OB told us that Baby D was a boy, and we decided that we didn't want to change his name. We kept his name to Baby D because that's who he was to us his entire life, and it didn't really seem right to change it. The beginning of March is always hard for us for obvious reasons, but we always celebrate Baby D's life on March 3rd. I'm planning on doing a second episode later to share some of the traditions that we keep in celebrating Baby D's life as well as some options for friends or family members um, if they're wanting to support someone who's grieving. Everybody is different, but that episode, I'll just be sharing some things that were and are helpful to us. If you're walking through this kind of grief or walking alongside someone on this path, you're not alone. I know that it may feel like you're alone, but I promise you, you're not And my therapist always reminds me when I'm having big feelings that I won't always feel like this. I won't feel like this forever. And it's true. I have to remind myself of that. And you won't feel like this way forever either. People will tell you as you're going through this that you're strong. And it's true. But it's okay not to feel strong also. Lean on your support system when you're not feeling strong. It's okay. I know this episode has been a lot, a lot heavier than episode one, but since this is a motherhood podcast that I created, I thought that it was important to share my beginning, even if it isn't what I had imagined for myself. Before I end this episode, I do want to share a few things that were helpful to me during the first couple of um, weeks and first couple of months after losing baby D. If you're struggling, um, Maybe some of these things will help you. The first thing that I would recommend is having at least one person you can tell absolutely anything to. I didn't seek out professional therapy after we lost baby D and looking back, I really wish that I would have. Um, Drew and I checked in with each other often. At the beginning, we would check in with each other um, a couple of times every hour and we would tell each other everything, even when things felt really dark and really scary And I'm so thankful that we had each other, but even with him and with an amazing support system, I think that seeking professional help during a time of loss is a really great resource, especially if you don't have that great support system at home. Number two, this is a really devastating life event and it's okay to be sad. I know that that may sound really obvious and kind of absurd for me to say that, but you don't have to pretend to be okay if you're not okay. Don't feel pressured to go back to work. Take as much time off as you need to find what your new normal is going to look like um, and really give yourself that space. I took five weeks off from work and even that long break, um, I still had a massive a massive anxiety attack my first day back to work. Everybody's timeline is different and you should respect the time that you need to be sad. Number three, take some time away from social media. Um, Every time I got on social media after we lost baby D, I swear to you, I saw pregnancy announcements and it wasn't that I wasn't happy for those people, but it was more myself beating myself up, saying like, well, why can't I carry on with the rest of my pregnancy? Why did this happen to me? Why do they get to be pregnant? And taking a break from social media was crucial for my mental health during that time. If you do need help, you can do what I did and set a limit on your social media minutes. Um, I'm somebody who's on social media a lot. So I really recommend doing that. Drew made a password and he hid it from me so I would have five minutes to check all of my social media accounts which was plenty of time to check notifications and reply to anybody who had reached out. Number four it's okay not to respond to somebody if they, whenever they message or call you. Do what's best for you and don't feel like you have to reply to somebody um This kind of goes along with number two, um, it's okay to be sad and it's okay to take the space that you need. And if that means not responding to a text or a call um, right away, then take that space that you need. You need to do what's best for you in that situation. Number five, everybody is different. So walk your own path as you're figuring out your grief. I think that it's great if you want to reach out to somebody um and get advice, but really walk your own path because every single person is different and even in a relationship Drew and I handle grieving differently even though we went through the same huge devastating event. Um Drew does things that I don't do, I do things that Drew doesn't do and it's our own path to walk. So remember that everybody is different and find your own path to walk as you grieve. If you're trying to support somebody who's grieving, I also want to share a couple of phrases that might be good to avoid. Everybody has their own triggers, but these were some specific things that were said to me that were and are still really hurtful to hear. The first one is at least you're young. You have your entire life to try again. And this was extremely hurtful to hear after losing a child. I think that if I was doing something like trying to learn how to ride a bike and I had my whole life to try again and figure out how to ride a bike, but whenever you just lost a child, whether it is during pregnancy or if the child is grown a certain age, I don't think that you should tell them just because they're young. It's good that they are young because they can always try again. It was extremely painful to hear. The second thing is using God as an excuse that your baby is gone. So a lot of times people would say God needed him or her more than you did, or this was all part of God's plan, and I think that it's important to know to say that God doesn't need anybody and I am of Christian belief and I know that God is all-knowing but this isn't something that's comforting whenever you're going through a child loss it's kind of like saying well he knew that this was going to happen this is all in his plan for you and just kind of roll with it and again super hurtful to hear In this type of situation, the last thing that I want to mention is I think that we should just stop asking women in general when they're going to have children. You have no idea what their situation is. They could have recently been through a pregnancy loss, they could be dealing with infertility, they could not want children, Um, they could be trying to decide if they want to have children or not. There's a whole lot of different things go that could be going on and if you are grown and you had the chance to have children and you did have children that's great for you but not everybody is able to have children and not everybody wants to have children and it's not really any of your business what they do so I think that it would be great if we just stopped asking women that question in general I know this episode was a little bit more heavy than episode one, um, but I really appreciate you guys listening, and if you are enjoying the podcast so far, please follow along so you don't miss out on any episodes. Um, You can also come follow along on Instagram. I interact a little bit more on stories over there asking for um, episode ideas and any other information over there so if you want to follow along it's at Mia's mom pod and if you think um if you know of anybody who might enjoy this podcast you can also share it with them so that is all I have I will be back next week with another episode that I'm excited about um, so yeah I'll see y'all later